You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material. And before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by Kim Mundy, a Senior Economist in our International Economics team. Kim, good to have you on. Hi Belinda, good to be here. Now we are moving outside of Australia today Mm -hmm. and we're talking about the US economy. So for me, 2021 probably has been characterised by a focus on how fast the US economy mm-hmm. is going to perform. Mm-hmm. So we've seen, I think really since President Biden got elected, a push for growth expectations to be upgraded, inflation mm-hmm. expectations mm-hmm. to be upgraded. We've talked about it on a number of different podcasts about how markets are factoring in inflation, mm-hmm. factoring in higher interest rates in the future. Yeah. So we're going to talk today about is that warranted Mm. and is the US economy about to overheat? So to start with, I think it's probably important to kind of why are markets thinking about this at the moment and why is there a focus on is the US economy going to outperform in 2021? I think there's sort of three key things that are really underpinning, I guess, analyst expectations that we're going to see a sharp jump Mm. in uh, US economic growth and that'll lead to higher inflation Uh, and those three things are the American Rescue Plan, so that's Biden's $1.9 trillion fiscal stimulus plan. You've also got the very rapid vaccine rollout in the US and more recently it's the uh, Biden's infrastructure plan that he's unveiled. So it's really the combination of the three is leading people to think, all right, well, this is a ton of money coming into the economy at the same time as restrictions are probably going to be able to be unwound because enough people will be vaccinated. Surely that means we're going to get an absolute boom in spending and the FOMC is going to have to respond. Yes. So I guess that we need to probably look at those three factors separately Mm. and then work out if we're going to see some sort of overheating Mm -hmm. in 2021. Let's start with that first one and that's the American Rescue Plan Act. What is it? So really it's Biden's um, plan to keep the economy rolling over in the in the near term while we do still have restrictions in place in the US and while there are still high infection rates and uh, people are still losing their jobs I think it's you know it's very important to remember that there's still nine to ten million fewer people employed in the US than there was in February 2021 so a lot of what's involved in the rescue plan is really um, government transfers to households so it's $1,400 checks that are being sent out and also we've seen an extension to the supplementary unemployment benefit so it's an extra $300 a week anyone who's unemployed is receiving and they'll continue to receive that until the 6th of September. So it's really just a way to prop up consumer spending. It's more income support for Mm -hmm. households, which has been a very familiar government support mechanism. We've seen it in Australia. So there's obviously a lot of money still flowing into households Mm -hmm. in the US. I think the biggest question with all these stimulus plans we've seen is, will consumers spend it? Exactly. And that's what matters, right? I mean, 
the, the government transfers don't add to GDP unless consumers are going to spend it. And if you just look at the, the sort of headline figures, look, we estimate that the American Rescue Plan is really increasing households purchasing power by about 600 billion US dollars. Mm. So that's 3% of G- annual GDP, which is a very large yeah. number. But we don't think all of that will actually be spent. And uh, economists like to talk a lot about the marginal propensity yes, to do. consume. Yes. MPC from here on out. Um, and look, if we look back to see how uh, how much of previous stimulus packages consumers have spent, the MPC is actually closer to sort of 30%, mm. which means those might spend 30% of it, but the other 70% is going towards paying down debt or it's being saved. We can see that in the data. We're seeing saving rates spike every time a payment is rolled out. And then remain elevated even after some money has been spent. Exactly. So then consumers aren't immediately drawing down on those savings. So because of that, we think the actual sort of economic benefit of this uh, stimulus will be closer to actually only around 0.9% mm. of annual GDP. So yes, it's a lot of money. Yes, it's going to help consumer spending, but we just don't really see that it's going to contribute to a boom in consumption that will lead to the US economy overheating. Now, on the vaccine rollout, there's no doubt the US has inoculated a huge number of people Mm -hmm. very quickly, Mm -hmm. probably more than what they had even estimated they would. So I think President Biden committed to 100 million in 100 days. He did. And it's going to be about 200 200, million, which is amazing. Well, is that in itself enough to make the US economy perform well? Like, what, what are some of the things we need to think about in relation to the vaccine rollout and its, I guess, correlation or causation of economic growth? It's really going to come down to, you know, how quickly can you reach herd immunity? How mm. quickly can enough people be inoculated that you can remove these restrictions and life can just get back to normal, which is what we're all desperately wanting, um, especially in somewhere like the US where some of these restrictions have gone on for a lot yes. longer than we've experienced here in Australia, for example. But I think the thing that we are very conscious of and, and cautious of is the fact that we're, not, we're probably not going to see an, a surge in um, spending as a result of pent-up demand in services. Yes. Now, that's really important because it's the services sector that's been the most constrained because that tends to be where the social distancing requirements have um, made activity hard. Getting a haircut, going mm. out to a restaurant, having a holiday, jumping on a plane, all of those things have been very difficult to do with government restrictions. So if we are going to see this boom in consumption again when our restrictions are unwound, it essentially means that consumers are going to have to make up for all of the lost activity, lost services that they didn't get to do. Over the past 12 months. Yeah. And then. Plus. Yes. Everything they would want to do anyway. So the way I like to think about it is if you get four haircuts a year and you couldn't get any in 2020 because the hair salon was closed the whole time, are you going to have eight haircuts in 2021? Probably not. And there's actually, there's research that points to this. So um, there was research by Princeton University that just highlighted that economic recoveries following services sector recessions tend to be slower than goods recessions. And that's just because they're not buffeted by pent-up demand yeah. like a goods um, recession or the aftermath of yeah. a goods recession can be. Now, the third element that you spoke about earlier in terms of why 
I guess expectations have really risen about the mm-hmm. US economy potentially overheating is the infrastructure plan. So this yeah. has really been announced uh, in recent weeks. It's been on a President Joe Biden's, I guess, next legs of his mm-hmm. policy agenda. What's the thinking around the infrastructure plan and how that may or may not lead to growth? Again, the headline is a very large number. It We're is. looking at $2.25 mm. trillion. Um, but Bigger I think than Australia's GDP. <laughs> huge. Think of, yes. But I think the devil is in the details in this one. And you've got to look at when will that spending take place. Infrastructure is, you know, tends to be a very slow-moving sort of beast. It takes a long time for it to get up and running. Um, this plan is expected to be deployed over eight years and does not appear that it's going to be front-loaded in any mm. such way. So if you just average that, average the $2.25 trillion over eight years, you're looking at roughly $280 billion a year. Again, that's still very helpful and will still um, support the US economy, but we don't think it's going to be enough to really transform the economic outlook. And I think when it comes to the infrastructure plan, it's really important to look at the employment side of it because um, infrastructure is particularly labour-intensive. But it just it's not clear that $280 a year will reduce the labour market slack when there are still 9 to 10 million people fewer in the labour market to therefore bring forward FOM rate hikes in line with what markets are currently pricing, which is a sort of late 2022 hike. I just think that's too soon. And I guess it's similar to Australia where kind of our thinking around the RBA is you need the labour market to dramatically improve the Mm -hmm. unemployment rate to fall even further than what you would have thought probably pre-COVID to get that wages growth and then to get the inflation growth. So in a way... They're going to be later to hike mm-hmm. than what they may have been previously. Yes. Is that kind of what you're thinking about the FOMC reaction function? Exactly. Very similar. And if anything, the FOMC's reaction function is, is sort of more explicitly like that because it's changed following the monetary policy review that the, mm. they undertook last year. So now, you know, from the FOMC's point of view, they want... You know, they're not changing the Fed's funds rate until uh, labour market conditions have reached levels which they think are consistent with maximum employment uh, and inflation is at 2% and on track to sustainably rise above 2% for a period of time. Um, If you look at the unemployment rate at the moment, it's 6%, but the FOMC is estimating the true unemployment is closer to 10%. It's going to have to drop down yep. towards three and a half percent to be close to maximum employment. That's a you've got a yep. long way to go, yep. um, and you know even if we do see a, a short term rise in inflation as we're expecting because of base effects, the FOMC are not expecting inflation to rise sustainably anytime soon, and given we're expecting the U.S. economy will still be some one point one percent below its trend level. By the end of 2022, it's really hard to see where that inflation pressure will come from. So I guess it, it sounds like the US economy is going to perform well yes, in 2021, it will. just not overheat. Exactly. And I think that's the point that we're really trying to push is, yes, we're going to see some very strong numbers and some big numbers coming out of consumption and uh, you know, retail sales, industrial production. Things are picking up, 
but it's just not to the level where we're going to see a rapid overheating, a quick rise in inflation and the FOMC bringing forward rate hikes. Kim, it's been great to get your insights today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Melinda. Now, you can read Kim Mundy's report on Is the US Economy About to Overheat, which was published on the 8th of April 2021 on combankresearch.com.au.